Everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our good friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Gordo, time for a little what's going on. We play highlights on the biggest stories of the day from across the Zone Radio Network. And it, of course, is accompanied by a little Marvin Gaye, which, of course, puts us all in a good mood, right? Does me, for sure. This is the first song, I think the first song on side B of uh, Let's Get It On. Best side, uh, best track one side B song of all time. (laughs) Could be. We'd have to take your word for it, right, Gordon? I don't know. Uh, oh, Can you name oh another God. track one side B song? I don't... <laughs> oh, what a beautiful song! Agreed. All right, Gordo, let's uh, let's get started, and let's uh, let's start on the hardwood, shall we? And let's start with the big show and our show yesterday. Of course, Chris Mannix jumps on with us each and every Monday, and we talked to him about the drama with Rudy and Donovan. But then we moved on to talk about the fit of those two players together on the floor. I, I don't think that they're the perfect match offensively. I mean, because I think Gobert is still fairly limited in that regard. But, you know, when you have – the game is played on both ends of the floor. I mean, when you have a guy that is as dominant defensively as Gobert, I mean, you don't need him to be uh, in lockstep with Donovan Mitchell on the offensive end of the floor. He's needed to do what he does defensively, you know, chip in on the offensive glass, post-ups, you know, setting screens, things like that. Um, and you'll get by. So, I, you know, I think they're they're very well matched to be cornerstone players for that team for years to come. I mean, when you, when you look at that team, I mean, I've never had a feeling that, you know, Gobert and Mitchell were any were part of the problem or like their, their ability to do things together were part of the problem. I and mean, I think it's more about you got to add shooting around them, maybe a little more playmaking around them. We talked a lot during the season about Mike Conley and his evolution with that team. I think they're, they're what's right with the Jazz and, and everything else I think just needs to be added on to it. Very insightful, I thought, uh, from Chris Mannix, Gordon. What what was kind of your reaction to it? And I'm I'm cu- I'm curious if we align on this one. Well, I agree with him to a point, but I also go back to what I said earlier, and that is that if Gobert and Mitchell are your stars, then they have to equal the the output of other teams' stars if the Jazz want to win at all. I, I get it. There are other components. You have complementary players and guys coming off the bench. All of that has to be in place. But you've got to have two absolute studs, absolute stars on your team to contend for a title. Don't you? Can you think of any exceptions to that? Um, well, I mean... Everyone else talks about the 2004 Detroit Pistons, you know? And it but happened that team, once. That team had some remarkable talent on it, though, as well. But, I mean, my point is that these guys 
have to get better. Even the best of the Jazz have to get better in order for them to fulfill their goals. Okay, I, well, I want to get to Chris's take on exactly what you're talking about, but I don't want to, quickly, I don't want to leave behind the fit that they are on the floor, because I, I think that that's a really interesting conversation, and of course, getting to the title is, is the end game, and he had thoughts on that, but does it concern you at all what Chris said, that they're not the perfect fit offensively? Now, Chris goes on to say that that they don't have to be, and I I guess I tend to agree with him there, but like Stockton and Malone, for example, were very complimentary on both sides of the ball, very complimentary defensively as well as offensively. Jordan and Pippen, very complimentary games on both sides of the ball. And in today's day and age, Gordon, where if you commit a super max to Rudy and you commit a max extension to Donovan, you actually don't have a whole lot of ched to pay the rest of the team. So if, if it takes more role players to get get them over the hump. Well, that's actually a kind of a problem. So if they're not an ideal fit offensively, is that something that would raise an eyebrow? And and I just bring this up because Joe Ingles was a much better pick and roll partner for Rudy Gobert this year than Donovan Mitchell was. And I don't know this for a fact, but I would guess that they were kind of counting on Donovan and Rudy being a good pick and roll tandem when Ricky Rubio left to go to Phoenix. I bet they kind of expected Donovan to fill that role a little bit, and he really didn't. Joe Moore filled that role. So I wonder how big of a, an eyebrow raise it is that they're not an ideal fit offensively. I, I, think, I think to some extent you're right there. Now, there are ways you can work around that, I think, but that part of what you just said there, absolutely bang on. So what do you do about that? Maybe you utilize other people. What else can you do? And continue to develop. Remember when before the season started, we talked about the two things that Donovan Mitchell really needed to do in order to take a, a giant leap forward is read situations on the court, recognize them, and then execute them. And that was an area where, man, it really wasn't all that great, was it? Right, right. So, I mean, these are these are really difficult questions, and I thought Chris's answer was great because he went on to say, okay, they don't have to be the perfect match, and Rudy really, you know, his match with Donovan defensively maybe makes all the difference, right? Because Donovan thus far in his career is not a lockdown defender, and I think the Jazz probably hope he gets there, um, but he's certainly not there now, right? So Rudy makes up for a lot of that. And, you know, as Donovan Mitchell evaluates, and I said this about Gordon Hayward, too, by the way, before he left, as Donovan uh, evaluates how good a fit Rudy is, he should understand that Rudy makes him look pretty good on that side of the ball. So, you know, it, it's which not is, the end-all, be-all, but that did... Which is really big, uh, by the way. That's a real nice uh, nice feature for Donovan. Right, which I think is what kind of Mannix was talking about. Right. So, and, and let's play this next clip because ultimately the idea is: Are they going to good a good enough fit together, and are they both individually good enough as players to get the Jazz over the hump? And here's what Chris had to say. Yeah, I mean, I think Mitchell is. Uh, he just has that those qualities that he can be a, a, a superstar in this league. I think Gobert at this stage of his career, you're kind of seeing what his peak is, um, and it's still really good. It's all star level. I just don't know if he's going to get significantly better. If you can get four more good years like this out of Rudy Gobert, you've got to be really happy uh, with what you have, which does put a 
emphasis on making sure that whether it's through the draft or cherry picking the right guys in free agency, you, you make the right choice, you add the right pieces. I mean, I use the example of the Spurs all the time. I mean, you know, they were able to become the Spurs, you know, by drafting Tony Parker, a future uh, superstar, late in the first round, drafting Manu Ginobili late in the second round. I mean, they, they got lucky with Tim Duncan, no question, and Kawhi Leonard was one of the middle of the pack first round picks, but you know, in between, they, they became what they became by, by finding the right guys to work around them. So I think that's what's going to be paramount for the Jazz moving forward. you got two guys that you know maybe aren't going to be looked at as the best duo in the NBA, but if you put the right pieces around them, you're going to be successful. Okay, so that's a really solid answer to the question I raised earlier. But let's think about that as the Jazz are presently constituted, Jake. Okay, so you got Rudy and, and Donovan. And if you compare them to, say, Anthony Davis and LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, uh, if, the, if the Clippers and the Lakers maybe have an edge in that regard, then where, where can you make that up? And do you make it up with Bogdanovich? Do you make it up with Mike Conley? Do you make it up with Joe Ingles? Do you make it up with, uh, with Jordan Clarkson? Uh, that, that that's what the Jazz have tried to do. And it is, and and to answer your previous question, you know, when has the team done that without you know two superstars? the The answer is the last title that the Spurs won. What what year am I thinking, Austin? Uh, what is that? Two thousand and oh eight. No, it was oh, with Leonard, right? Uh, with, no. with Kawhi, the, the most recent. Where Leonard has, was was not a superstar yet. He still had limitations to his game. Oh, although, he uh, was a star. He, he was, was a great defender, but he was not a star. And it was like his second uh, year in the league. Or 14. So. It was 2014. So uh, uh, Tim Duncan. He was pretty darn good. Tim Duncan <laughs> was past his prime, but still a really good player. And you could say the same thing about Tony Parker. But but I guess the point I'm trying to make, and, and I disagree with Chris a little bit, is why he worked in San Antonio is because because their stars were such amazing fits together that they overcame LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh, which I think we could all agree at the time had far more star power than that Spurs team did. But they fit together so well, and their star players fit together so well, it overcame you know that factor, in not my to opinion. Mention, not to mention the enormous experience those players had. They had been there... They knew pretty much what the drill was, not intimidated at all, not uh, freaked out by that environment. So those things all came into play, too. But if that's true, then that answers the question that if the other jazz players, if Donovan and Rudy continue to improve. And I think I think I disagree with Chris a little bit this way. I think Rudy Gobert can continue to get a little better. I, he he got a late start, um, and, and I think he can improve a, a scotch more. Uh, and Donovan Mitchell, I, I think he can he can get better than he is right now. So if these other guys fill in those gaps, including the areas where Donovan and Rudy aren't the best fit in the world, then then maybe the Jazz can do that. The question is: Is Bogdanovich good enough? Is Joe Ingles good enough? Is Mike Conley good enough? Well, not not that we've seen thus far. Is that fair? 
It's, but I also think that the adjustment period, I know a lot of people use that as an excuse, but I think Mike Conley can be a better fit than what we saw in, over the first half of the season. And after he came back from injury, we saw some progress in that regard. I think his fit can be substantially better than it was of what we saw. By the way, just a, a, a quick, uh, just to let you know, so the Spurs won in 2013-2014. You know what Kawhi's numbers were that year, Gordon? What? 12.8 points per game, 1.7 steals, 6.2 rebounds. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's Which see what year, he shoot from year three. 2013-2014, the last year the Spurs won a title. Okay, all right. So far from superstar numbers. Well, but, but those numbers, that's the way the Spurs played. You know, I mean, they he he could he was capable of scoring more than that. He was just they were sharing the ball quite a bit. I mean, that's his third year in the league. By his fifth year in the league, he was twenty one point two points. So they decided not to share it anymore. Yeah, but yeah, the team was different then. I don't think you can uh, qualify Kawhi Leonard as a superstar in two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But anyway, but the point was, being, he, they were he, such he was a great. Awfully- Oh, sorry. He was awfully good. But the point being, they were such a great fit together, they overcame. So can Donovan and Rudy be that fit? And that's, uh, to to bring it back full circle, that's what concerns me when somebody like Chris says they're not an ideal fit offensively. Because when we're talking about this level, right, this level of excellence, they need to be an ideal fit, don't they? If if you're going to pay them that kind of money, they have to be. Uh, well, if you went back and studied the Spurs, and I, I have not done that, but uh, if you picked that, I mean, was Manu Ginobili a great fit with Tim Duncan? Or was it Tony Parker who was the great fit? You you can single out two guys and think, okay, those two maybe weren't the best fit in the world, but there are others on the team who, who made up for that. You know right, I mean? which, which is why I'm saying that's the example of the sum of the parts, right? Uh, like I mean, so so maybe if that's the case, and maybe that's where the Jazz have to do it because they're not gonna they're not gonna sign the giant free agents or anything. Uh, maybe maybe they have to do it, and maybe that's what they've been trying to do is uh, emulate the Spurs, and and not everybody on the Spurs was a perfect fit, but there weren't enough good fits to make it happen. The Spurs that year, Gordon, didn't have one player who averaged over 17 points per game. Tony Parker led the way at 16.7. Mm-hmm. But yet they had the number 7 offensive rating in the league, number 3 defensive rating in the league, and an effective field goal percentage of almost 54%. Good for second in the league. They were just so good at what they did. I mean, that's, so, so that's the they, example. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's what the Jazz are trying to do. And uh, for a good reason. I mean, both uh, Dennis Lindsay and Quinn Snyder have uh, experience with the Spurs. And they saw what was – remember the way that ball used to pop? Man, they used to wing that ball around. That was a beautiful offense to watch. And some people thought the Spurs were boring because they didn't have some – some player who is doing flushing it left and right and all that stuff. I loved watching them play offensive basketball. And of course they were really good defensively as well. So yeah, that those, those that's that's a good model to follow. Hmm. 
All right, let's move on. It's uh, what's going on here on the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, uh, Peter uh, Costelli was on this morning with DJ and uh, and PK, and the Utes have uh, Gordon have landed a uh, Peter Costelli, who's a four-star quarterback from uh, Southern California. He joined the guys this morning and uh, had this to say. Committing to the University of Utah, I think we're all curious. You had offers from Oregon and LSU and Nebraska, and I've read about 19 offers in all. Uh, why the Utes? Um, I mean, one of the main reasons was that, you know, they've just been with me from the very beginning, and that means a lot to me just knowing that ever since I was at them, you know, they kind of believed in me and, like, recruited me for that long. Um, I also love how, you know, all the coaches, they just treat you like family, you know. It's, you're all, like, very close to each other. And also just the feel of the campus, you know, it's somewhere I feel like I could be for the next four years. So uh, how much did you get to interact with uh, the offensive coordinator, Andy Ludwig? I got to interact with him a lot. Uh, when when I went down for my visit one time, we were able to sit down. He was able to go over the offense. It was just really cool to listen because, you know, he, he uh, put together his playbook based on the players that he has, you know, so he fits the playbook to his players. And I just thought, that was one. That was a really big like, reason why I liked it so much. I just thought it was a really cool thing. So you make your commitment in your junior year. Was that something that you wanted to do, or did it just come about naturally? You felt like now's the time. This I might as well do it because this is what I want to do. No, I definitely wanted to do it my junior year. I wanted to just you know commit early so I didn't have to really worry about it my senior year and just focus on my season. But like. I guess, like, a lot of people were like, well, why did you commit, like, earlier than you thought? Well, it's kind of because, like, this whole, like, coronavirus thing kind of, like, had a, had a lot of time for me and my parents to kind of talk and sit down and just, like, think about things. And basically just, you know, Utah just checked off all the boxes. So when we were talking, like, you know, it just feels like the right thing to do to just commit now. There you go, Gordon. Uh, he's coming from Mission Viejo High School there in Southern California. And uh, it's the first high school commit for the class of 2021 for the University of Utah. Your thoughts? Well, I wonder if Andy Ludwig may have mentioned to him that they don't have much of a quarterback situation for him to get in his way. (laughs) Alluding to their opinion on Cam Rising. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I don't don't know. Uh, But... A lot of times these guys, when they're turning down offers from other places that are look fairly attractive, uh, you wonder if an opportunity is there or perceived to be there by a four-star quarterback. I, I thought I, I thought yeah. the same thing, Gordon. I, I, I thought the exact same thing. They bring in you know a, a transfer to compete for the job this upcoming year, and then they recruit. I guess I don't want to say they recruit over top of them because there are a couple of years separation. You know, when he gets on campus, Rising will be a junior. Yeah. So, uh, so keep that in mind. There is some some space between them. So I'm hesitant to say they recruited over the top of Rising, but yeah, I, I'm guessing they told this recruit that he would have the chance to come in and compete for a position, which is probably what they tell every recruit. But how how strongly <laughs> do they say that he's going to have a chance to to win that job? So I wonder about that too, Gordon. Is is that a comment on on Cam Rising and and they what they think of his position? potential or is it just you know landing a, a big guy to push everybody rising tide lifts all boats well i would love to be in the corner of the room and just listen to what what the pitch is and i don't know what they're telling him 
uh, if you were going to be completely responsible, no promises made, nor should they be, should there be. But uh, I, I think he senses a real opportunity for himself at the University of Utah. And look, Utah's a terrific school. It's a terrific football program. I mean, I understand that when you say, well, he could have gone to Oregon or LSU, that's kind of a big deal, too. But we don't know what their recruiting situations are like, do we? No, but uh, it's probably more crowded at that position than Utah. You would think so. Yes, you would. And I mean, so, that's the that's the sales uh, sales pitch for Utah against most of the Pac-12, regardless of position outside of maybe what, like D-line, maybe corner. Is you're, remember, se- you're selling, hey, come here and you're going to play. But in the past, haven't we said at times, if you were a, a highly recruited quarterback, would you go to Utah based on their track record with quarterbacks? No, that but, wasn't that. That was that long ago that we were kind of whispering those kinds of things. Yeah, but that was pre Andy Ludwig, who's got his own track record. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, going back to uh, which uh, David Carr, right? Who he coached at at Fresno State. So, you know, he's he's got his own track record uh, that's different than previous coaching staffs. Although, yeah, I I would add, you know, still the same head coach. I mean, if I was a recruit, I'd I'd kind of wonder that to myself, sure. And there was another uh, highly recruited quarterback who came to Utah who decided he would go elsewhere after he arrived. Indiana, of all places. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I don't know. At some level, you have to believe a kid when he says, hey, I just felt comfortable there. Um, As much as you want to use your brain, as much as you want to, you know, think things through with your parents and whatnot – when you show up and you talk to coaches and you look at the circumstances, you look at the what, what's around you, uh, there, there has to be a connection. There has to be some comfort level. And he must have felt that when he came up to the University of Utah. And is it LSU? No, not from a football standpoint. But, you know, uh, different strokes for different folks. Maybe, maybe he liked what he saw when he looked around. Maybe he liked the guys he met beyond the coaches. So yeah, good for the Utes. Uh, I mean, he's a he's a highly regarded quarterback prospect. So it's it's sounds good to me. Who knows what seventeen uh, year olds are prioritizing these days, Gordon? Or their parents? Care to uh, care to speculate <laughs> about what a seventeen year? Well, uh, uh, let me put it this way: there 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 was uh, probably a reason Rick Pitino was pretty good at recruiting, huh? Uh, you, now, you're not suggesting that... You mispronounced uh, Adidas, Jake. Uh, <laughs> well, that's something are, else entirely. Are you suggesting that Utah's right. recruiters are using the same uh, methodology that Rick Patino did? No, I would never do that. Huh. But if, it, that you know, clear. if uh, they uh, took a walk across campus when, when classes were in between and they happened to... You know, show the, you know, lovely ladies that uh, inhabit our fair community, then, then yeah, that probably helps. Uh, well, if you're asking me whether uh, the young women of Utah are beautiful, then I would have to, I would say, yes, they are. So, I mean, I don't know if they're more beautiful than <laughs> the young women of Louisiana. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Uh, but since I raised five daughters here, you know, I, I might be biased in this regard, you know. Might although be. Three, although three of them are born in California, but, yeah. 
Well, I mean, you have to mention that because how do you know somebody who's been to Southern Cal- or lived in Southern California? <laughs> Austin, this is a little riddle for you. How do you know? Uh, you'll know soon enough. Yeah, they're they're going to tell you about it within about you the first the 405, 15 seconds. Yeah. Oh, wow. They're going to let you know. Have seen the Rose Parade? I tell you, when I was chipping golf balls into the Pasadena Bowl, man, I tell you. I mean, Gordon couldn't couldn't let uh, a segment on Salt Lake Radio go by without uh, saying, well, well, hey, three of those girls were born in California. Whoa, whoa, hey. <laughs> when I was working for hey. the LA Times. <laughs> you guys are so full of crap. That's... <laughs> <laughs> really? Do your Utah girls feel left out somehow? Uh, sometimes they do when we talk about the old days when uh, we were doing things and living places where they uh, had not yet joined the family. Do you the not? Do they you they not, didn't know the joy of a, a dipped cone on Balboa Island. Oh, yeah. yeah. They've they've experienced that because we've been back there darn near every year. But no so. one that can drive to any Arctic Circle on the yeah. corner. No, let me ask you this. Do you <laughs> not let them eat it in an outburger? Do you say, whoa, wait. This is for the Californians and the family only. No, no, no. We announce everywhere, man. Well, they're certainly here in Utah, and they're uh, obviously in California. Hey, as well. hey, hey. You know you're you're the, a Salt Laker. I'm sorry. The first, you can't uh, appreciate it. The first in and out that uh, existed, uh, my wife uh, used to frequent that place because uh, she grew up near there. So, Which freeway that, was that, that? That's, that's very much that's, that's very much. <laughs> Uh, well, it's just off the two ten. Ah, but that's a uh, fine that, road there. That, that's a that's a part of that's a part of that's a frame, frame of reference thing for me. That's why I bring that stuff up is because like I I don't talk about my days in Illinois too much. Thank you know, God. Or, or in Oklahoma because I didn't live there. Huh. You lived you know, in but, Southern California. I had no idea. <laughs> You guys, yeah. Austin Lee, formerly of BYU, is going to join the show. Hold coming up on next. here a second. Hold on here a second. How often do we hear about every school you went to? Never. Jake? Every every elementary, every junior high school, every, every the high school you went to. Rarely. You talk about that. Why do you talk about those things? Because it's a part of your frame of reference. We don't hear what road they existed on, though. I don't know. And, and by the way, it's Interstate 210. <laughs> it's the 210. Come on. If, it's not a train. I-210? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> that, that's, that's presumed. Everybody knows that. Sheesh. I didn't. Jake, I guess <laughs> you did. Austin Lee joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Heaven help us. California. Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. (laughs) 
Shout out to Lanny, who wanted a little rage on a Total Request Tuesday here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Rage Against the Machine. Gordon, I had a buddy who had, uh, they, they were going to do their first concert in something like 20 years in El Paso. And I had a buddy who had tickets to it. And of course, postponed. What a bummer. Mm. And you, uh, you're, you were following uh, Kenny around this year with PK, right? I uh, saw him a couple times. No, yeah. I mean this upcoming year. Not that you saw him. You were you you had what six seven tour dates down. I don't know. I don't keep track of that stuff. I was just told uh, when I was supposed to show up, and I you know generally would show up if Lisa said I needed to. See, that's not how I hear it told. I I, I hear it that you're you're a Kennyite with your your I love Kenny T-shirts and right up front. No, I don't have any Chesney gear, and uh, although uh, that when I have gone to Kenny Chesney concerts, it sure seems like people are enjoying it. So uh, I'm I have not uh, converted fully to country. I'm in that in between stage. So uh, it's it's fun. I don't it's know fun. what in between stage is. Uh, trying to like country. Trying, that stage uh, attempting to like it okay yes because my wife likes it and if she wants to listen to it i i there has there was one occasion when we we're in the car and she was playing it and i said will you please turn that off i just can't take it right now <laughs> that was not the smartest thing i've ever said to my wife all right gordo let's get out of the sprint special guest line sprint they make it safe and easy to get what you need online visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, former BYU safety, Austin Lee on The Big Show. Hi, Austin. Uh, First and foremost, how are you? How are uh, your loved ones? Everybody doing all right, we hope? Yeah, thanks for having me. No, we're we're doing good, and it's a crazy time. But, yeah, loved ones are doing well, just, you know, hanging out with the the house and hanging out with family as much as possible right now. And it's crazy times, like I said, but it's been fun. What are you getting done now that you typically don't get around to? Um, I just I would say just spending more time around with the family. Um, you know, I, I I'm still able to get a workout in and do that stuff, but I'm I'm at home a lot more often. You know, I don't have school going on. I graduated, uh, no work right now, so it's just really focused on working out and football stuff, and then really have all the, all the day with the family and. Uh, get to hang out with them and especially when it's warm it's good to kind of go outside and have some time out there all right austin apparently you've turned some heads with your pro day as you uh, get ready for the upcoming draft and uh, of course uh, preparing to try and make uh, football a career so i guess my my question is pretty simple how did you pull that off (laughs) yeah so um the biggest issue that we were trying to have is making sure everything was verified right because you can, I mean, there's so many people out there just, just running with uh, their trainers, um, having a stopwatch, you know, and to try to get something verified. A lot of people were talking about getting a former scout out there, um, trying to find a laser. And so I was talking with my agent, talking with uh, my trainer, Jordan Pendleton, and the best case scenario we ended up having was my my trainer, Jordan Pendleton, he was actually trying to get a hold of a, a laser, uh, electronic laser timer. And the person that he called was is with Zybeck Sports, who actually runs the NFL Combine. And so 
what happened was he was trying to get a system and was worried about a shipment coming in. And the guy was actually running a pro day for another guy out in Las Vegas. And so he said, Hey, you can come and join us. And so what we ended up doing was Jordan Pendleton grabbed me and Bradley and I, who was training with us and Francis Bernard as well. And we drove all the way up to Vegas and were able to get some very good verified times with someone that's legit and that's ran and been associated with the NFL Combine. And so it was a really good um, experience to be able to go and get that done. So is this a dream you've had since you were a little kid? Uh, tell us about the process and, and what what is your mindset as you draw near to a potential opportunity? Yeah, so th- yeah, this has always been a big goal and dream of mine. Ever since I was a little kid, like I've always dreamed about playing in the NFL and um, obviously college was, was the, the first goal to get a Division One scholarship and stuff like that. And you know, step by step, it's kind of led me to it. But um, I've tried to take one step at a time and and really focus on the point that I am in my life. And so it's kind of led me into a bigger path. And I, I'm I'm just excited and blessed to be in this in this spot. And it's it's been it's been a dream, obviously, and it's kind of becoming a lot closer to me and more surreal as as time's coming up. And so it, it it's been a big dream ever since I was little, like I said, and. I'm just grateful that I'm at this spot in my life to be able to be close to it. Now that you've had a little time, Austin, and Austin Lee is with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, sum up your experience at BYU. Uh, yeah, my, my experience at BYU is really good. I uh, We were able to have a lot of family close. I'm, I'm married, and my wife's family is from Spanish Fork. We actually lived with our in-laws, and, or my in-laws, and her parents, and it was a good experience to be able to be close to family um, and to be in Utah County to get to go to school. Uh, BYU is really good at schooling, um, with schooling and stuff. And so it, it, it was good. You know, Polanyi's a great coach, and he helped me a lot to develop my football IQ and to be able to be in a system to, to be successful. And it, it was just an overall good experience um, to be part of it. We've been talking recently about players that uh, transfer and uh, in particular players that transfer from either BYU to Utah or Utah to BYU. That's something that was part of your journey. Uh, Can you take us through that a little bit? What was going through your mind and was BYU just a better feel, a better fit for you? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, uh, coming back from a mission, it was was just different than what I was used to. Um, Some of the coaches had left, right? Uh, with with Kalani and Jay Hill, and Utah at the time was a perfect fill. And when I went there, it's just I, I don't know if it was the mission fills or what, right? I, I just came back and something was a little bit off than what I was used to. And it's not it's not discredit to Utah. Like I loved it there. I met some um, great teammates and great players, and the coaches were were really high caliber coaches, and they really cared about my interests and very good at developing players and it just I, I'm a very competitive person and I wanted to start day one right and so I was um, surrounded by Tevin Carter I was surrounded by Marcus Williams Jason Thompson very high caliber athletes and are in the NFL and I just wanted a chance to be able to start day one and um, it ended up obviously I ended up parting ways and 
uh, BYU just it felt more comfortable um, at the time and a better decision and fit for me to be able to get what I wanted and it ended up working and I felt like it could have worked at Utah as well. It's just I, I just wanted to be able to compete for all four years in a starting in a, in a system and so um, I I. I loved my time at Utah, and I loved my time at BYU, and it it's kind of made me who I am. And I've always had a fight for what I've had, and so it, it's been it's been a big journey for sure. You know, it seems like over the past five, ten years, Austin, uh, when return missionaries are making the attempt to go to the next level, you hear feedback that NFL teams are concerned about their age, which I personally find ridiculous. I mean, if you can play, you can play. Uh, and it's not like NFL careers on average are all that long. So it, it never made a whole lot of sense to me. But what do you what do you tell a team that is concerned about your age? Uh, so I, I mean... I, I, I look at it as a positive manner, um, in a positive way, right? Because my age, although I'm a little bit older, um, I've been able to still perform. Like you said, if you can perform, you can perform. And I've stayed relatively healthy. And overall, it's, it's, the mission has really developed me and to help me become a lot more mature in my life and my dealings. I'm married, I have two kids, and I'm able to really balance what it's like with football, with school, um, and kind of it, it made me a little bit more mature in how I prepare and handle business. And so uh, if, if anyone's really concerned about an age a whole lot, like that's just kind of what I let them know is that it's really helped me to prepare and handle business and that I, I just really learned how to juggle those types of things. So, Austin, what are your expectations looking ahead to the NFL? I mean, do you think you'll get drafted? If you do, where do you think you'll be drafted? Do you think you'll sign a free agent contract? What, what's in your uh, What's in your head? Yeah, I think overall, um, not sure how everything will go. Especially, I'm one that wasn't invited to the NFL Combine. I had an East West Shrine invite, which was very helpful, but. I didn't have an NFL combine experience, and so there could be some question marks there. But overall, I have, I have a really good agent. Um, I'm not I'm not exactly sure how things will go. It's just so I'll be surprised. But I mean, overall, I think I'll, I'll I know that I'll, I'll make it to the NFL regardless, and I'm I'm someone that can really contribute. And so I'm I'm, I'm just excited for this opportunity. I don't know which way it will go yet, but overall, I'm very confident in my ability to be able to be on a team and um, have some success. Have you talked to anybody who's in the league now, and what are they telling you? Yeah, so I've I've talked a lot with um, Cody Barton mainly and Jackson Barton, the Bartons. They've they've been working out with Pendleton Performance a little bit, and when they when they were there at the time, they they just told me that both teams that they got picked up by didn't really talk to them throughout the, the process and so you never really know how things are going to work out um you know a team could be so so much interest in you and then end up trading a pick or end up picking somebody else and so you never really know they always keep you on your toes and um but it, it's been really good to like talk to them without their draft process and even how their their process has been within the nfl and how they talk to me about that it's a business and that um, you just got to continue to work because sometimes you don't have eyes on you, and it, it's it's a matter of matter of um, being very self disciplined. And those guys have been really helpful in me and understanding the process of, of how the NFL works. You know, I was reading a story recently, and they were talking about 
how important free agent signings are after the draft is over, and the teams spend a whole lot of time in, in with those potential players and, and considering who can help them. And I forget what the percentage was, but it seemed like it was – an inordinate amount of time and effort spent in that regard. Uh, are you aware of that? Uh, apparently, a lot of players go that route. The, the free agent route, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm aware of that. A lot A lot of success stories have been through free agents. And um, I, don't, I, wonder, I, I wonder if that's just them, you know, feeling like they have more respect to earn and such like that. And there's obviously a lot more of those those players in the free agent market, but a lot of them have a chip on their shoulder and I'm very aware of it. And I'm excited to see what happens with me as well, because if that happens with me and that's what route I go, uh, I'll just hopefully be another success story. Well, Austin, we certainly appreciate you dropping by the show. Good luck with everything going forward. We'll be pulling for you. No, thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Austin. Austin Lee, former safety at BYU. And, man, this would be a weird time to be going through that process. Gordon, you heard how they had to kind of tape together a workout to get out there in front of NFL teams. It'd just be Mm – I mean, it makes a hard process even harder, I would think. And now the whole draft thing being kind of virtual, you know, and everybody's in basements and whatever uh, trying to figure this stuff out. Uh, uh, I was reading that uh, some NFL – personnel people have been complaining about the scenario and and, and the writer said they've been making excuses <laughs> in case they pick the wrong people or give the wrong advice but it'll be interesting to see how the local guys do and who goes where we didn't ask austin but i wonder if he has a preferred team that he would rather play for well if he did there's no way he's saying it I don't know. He might have had a favorite team growing up. Well, that's a different question. <laughs> would you want to play? Would you want to play for your favorite team growing up, or do you think that would freak you out? Maybe, but if I'm in the position Austin's in, where you're likely not a draft pick, or at least on the border, um, and you you're probably an undrafted free agent or whatever, you're you're going to fight to make the league. I have a feeling if you asked him, he'd say he would go wherever. Wherever, but I like his confidence. Yeah, absolutely. He, he said, "I know I'll be playing in the league." So, good luck to him. I I hope uh, I hope he's uh, I hope it turns out to be what he's imagining it to be. Because man, I'll tell you, it's it's a tough uh, it's a tough road to hoe. All right, we'll have more big show coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned, ninety-seven-five and twelve eighty, the zone. So put your hands together and please welcome. This is Utah's best sports radio. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding you forward on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. One moment that you captured, just let it slip. Yo. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This one goes out to Rod on a Total Request Tuesday. Inspired by Gordon, songs to work out to, to exercise to. Keep them coming out. Jake Scott's own at Austin Horton at Gordon Monson. Let's uh, get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Mountain America Investment Services here for a Mountain America market update. He is TJ Walk with us here on the big show. TJ, how are you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great. We appreciate you jumping on with us. Give us a little update. What's going on out there today? Yeah, so the markets today, Dow Jones was up more than 550 points by the day's end. The S&P 500 had a 3% gain. So that continues the positive momentum from last week's stock market rally. And then just some news uh, that affects our local listeners, those stimulus checks uh, have been arriving in our mailboxes and accounts uh, this week just in an effort to steer the economy back in a positive direction and to give that uh, support to individuals, families, and local businesses. So so watch for those checks to arrive and, and use them wisely. Got any tips for our listeners today? Yeah, so my tip for today is is planning reduces panicking. So the folks we encounter who express the most fear uh, and concern during times like these are those who either don't have a plan or they haven't adjusted their plan to fit the current market environment or their current goals. Uh, the, the best way I think I could uh, say this to our listeners that they may understand is uh, if the Atlanta Falcons had adjusted their game plan in the third quarter of the Super Bowl when they're up 28-3, they may have a Lombardi trophy. But they didn't, and we know the rest of the story. So uh, if you have a plan in place that hasn't been looked at for a while, take a look at it. Make sure it's still in the right place. And if not, make those updates so that you're – you're on track to reach your goals and be financially successful. DJ, why didn't they just run the ball? All the Falcons had to do was run the ball. That's all. Just change just a little bit. Guys, I'm a Falcons fan, and I ask myself that question <laughs> all too often. So uh, one one can hope, but I, I think uh, that's a really good way to put it to the listeners. <laughs> it's just... Uh, here, here's an example of what a plan that doesn't get updated. Here's kind of an end result. So... Well, we appreciate That's all it. They had to do was run the ball. Even if it brought up a painful memory, I think we get what you're saying. Thanks, TJ. <laughs> you got it. Thanks, guys. There you go. That's TJ Walk from Mountain America Investment Services for your Mountain America market update. Big thanks to TJ. I, I still can't believe that the Falcons didn't run the ball. That That is one of the, the biggest blunders, in my opinion, in, in Super Bowl history. All right, let's wrap it up. Investment products sold through LPL Financial are not insured Mountain America Credit Union deposits and are not NCUA insured. These products are not obligations of the credit union and are not endorsed, recommended, or guaranteed by Mountain America or any government agency. The value of the investment may fluctuate. The return on the investment is not guaranteed and loss of principal is possible. All right. Action-packed 4 o'clock hour of the Big Show coming up right around the corner. Don't forget, Bowler joins us at 5. It's the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.